0: Hello, everybody. I would like to welcome you all to another episode of Are You Really Living? Today, it's a day of learning. I have with me a good friend of mine, Mr. Woodland. He's a financial professional. Uh, So I'm going to go ahead and let him introduce himself. So Mr. Woodland, what do you do exactly? No, I'm sorry, before you answer that question, that was rude of me. How are you? How are you feeling? How is everything? I am doing fantastic. Thank you for having me
1: on the show here. Uh, once again, everyone, my name is Whitland Juzis. right? I want to make sure I get that out there. Uh, but yeah, I'm, I'm feeling great. I'm, I'm excited for this conversation that we're going to be having here today. And yeah, so my profession, I work in the financial industry, and I've been doing this for over four years now.
0: So far, with your line of work, what inspired you to get into that field?
1: What inspired me to get into the field is seeing the need for financial literacy as a whole. I think when we think about financial literacy, it's something that everyone knows we need. Everyone knows we should probably spend more time on it, but we don't. Mm
2: -hmm. And
1: I think I'm, I'm definitely a victim of that. I'm a first generation student, and I went to school, and I I felt like I did all the right things, right? You know how when you're growing up, your parents are telling you go to school and graduate and things like that. Good so grades, yeah. I I did that whole process, and it was crazy because I some of the things that I'm teaching today were not things that I learned while I was going through that process. So right off the bat, I knew that that was that was a problem. That was an issue. Because mm-hmm. if me as the quote unquote educated one in my family don't know about these topics right here, then guess what? The rest of my family is probably in trouble.
2: So yeah. that's,
1: when I, that's when I started becoming more interested in just learning more about money and also um, the industry as well.
0: Now, what are some of the most common financial mistakes that people make and how can they avoid them?
1: Uh, most common financial mistakes. I would say number one is not even seeking the information. Most people are on autopilot. And what I mean by that is whatever their job offers them, that's what they have. Mm-hmm. Whatever, and we make a joke. We make a joke where we say Suzy from HR. So whatever Suzy from HR recommends, that's what they have. And I'll use myself as an example. When I used to work at my, you know, corporate America job. I literally all the benefits and insurances and things that I I set up it was mainly because I was told okay you you have this that's already included and you know sign up sign up for this retirement account but if you would have sat me down and asked me okay did you know exactly what you just signed up for and exactly how it worked
2: mm-hmm.
1: my immediate answer was no which is unfortunately what most people do so they don't even seek that information to try to learn and see exactly what it is that they're doing. And and I would say number two is not sitting down with a financial professional to learn about what options are out there. Most people are kind of like to themselves and they think they're going to figure it out. Mm
2: -hmm. Most
1: people will rather run to YouTube, will rather run to Google to learn about what we literally teach on the day-to-day basis. So... That's that's another mistake, and then last but not least is I don't, I don't even know if we can say that's a you know mistake anymore because it's like well it wasn't taught to us, but I'm like I mean we have access to all the information that we need nowadays, right. but again that person would have to want to seek for that knowledge in order for them um to get it. So I would say I would say those three are probably like the top ones um, that I come across
0: okay now right now you're on your own you have your own business and what exactly that business entails
1: yeah so my business right now uh, my wife and I were actually in business we've been in business for the past four years um, running our own financial um, agency we have about 20 um, agents on our team that we work with that we train and develop to go out and help families, help people from our community. Our whole tagline is we want to put millions back into our community. And how are we going to be able to do that? Is by simply educating folks on the basic things, right? We want to to make sure they understand their retirement account. You know, that 401k that they signed up for. Mm -hmm. We want to educate them in exactly how it works. What are the pros? What are the cons? And if that's not going to be something they want to move forward with, we look at some alternatives. Um, When I say alternatives, like what are some, um, now we can get to talking about like taxes and stuff, but you know, there's some tax later accounts where you're deferring your taxes and there's some accounts where you're actually paying the taxes today and whatever the money grows to, you get to keep it on the back end. So we help educate people on those options. We also help people with um, life insurance, which is one of those things that a lot of times people don't want to talk about or don't Mm want to think about because they always associate life insurance with death and let's be honest who wants to talk about death nobody nobody
0: yeah so
1: so for something that could be so powerful for something that could be generational we're not talking about it because we are not educated on the major benefits and how much it can impact our families literally life forever. Right, we, we're not talk about that. So we yeah. talk about uh, my my firm. We talk about the different the different uh, options, the different life in, type of life insurances out there. And then another um, thing that we do well at is the estate planning piece. I'm not an attorney, but we do have some attorneys that we've partnered with, where we can make sure that people have their affairs in order. Right, making okay. sure that that will is typed up, making sure that their trust is typed up, their healthcare directive, power of attorney. All of those things where people think they have to have millions of dollars to do. But in reality, you really don't. You well, but, it you basically,
0: have. what I'm getting from what you're saying, and that's one of the reasons why I wanted you to come to the podcast, is that we are walking around not, high, not having any life support. What By Correct. not having life insurance, by not having a will in place, by not having a... a a financial plan in place you are basically in the middle of the ocean with no life support and based on what we've talked before and i've followed you for a long time you come in basically giving that life support to individuals who doesn't have it that's basically what you do correct
1: 100 percent. and sometimes it's us knocking on that door and that person not even realizing that they need it And I'll give you an example, like, well, I'll ask basic questions like, hey, you know, do you have a retirement account set up? And they're like, yeah. I said, great. What is it? What do you have set up? And they will say, nine nine out of 10 people will say a 401k. I'm like, great. What made you sign up for it? I don't know. How much are you (laughs) contributing to it? I don't don't know. know. Like, okay, why did you go that route? I don't know. How is it going to look like later on when you retire? I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. And same thing goes with life insurance as well. Like, oh, I already have it. Great. Um, Who do you have it through? What's the name of the company? I don't know. Yeah. How much are you paying for it? I don't know. How much coverage do you have? I don't know. So we see that a lot of times. So our job is literally to knock on that door and we say, hey, Mr. and Mrs. Client, do you have your financial affairs in order? And most of the time, they will say yes, but once we start asking certain questions, yeah, and it's not fully there. Yeah, correct. They're realizing that they're just on default, that's when it's like, oh crap, I should probably listen to what this yeah. guy is talking about to make uh, sure that I'm fully protected.
0: So we don't stay so we don't drift off topic really quickly. If somebody has 401k they are contributing to with this with company X, they ended up leaving Company X. That 401k, what happens to it? And also, if they take that money out, will they have to pay taxes on it?
1: Uh very good question. And that happens more often than none. People leave jobs all the time. Like you worked at a job for five years and then you realize, hey, there's a better opportunity across the street, right? What happens to that old retirement account?
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Most people just leave it there. <laughs> Most people don't even know that that money still exists because they've moved on. And I remember uh, this young lady I sat down with and she's like, yeah, yeah, I I think I had a 401k at my last job. And I'm like, you think? What do you mean you think? So we had to call the HR department and the lady that was there remembered her, thank God. And then now we were able to call the company to Mm -hmm. find out she had almost $20,000. Almost $20,000, all because we actually went to go look and seek, right? So now, what are the options that this person has? They can either leave it there, which is probably not the best idea because it's almost like leaving money in your ex's bank account. Mm -hmm. I I don't really know too many people who would do that. So don't do that, right? Or you can roll it over into your new job, which is most of the time that's what people will do. Um, You could either cash it out, but if you do cash it out, understand you are going to have to pay a penalty and taxes, so you're definitely going to have to pay for that up front, and then another option is for you to roll that money over into an account where that principal could be protected, so even if the market goes down or anything like that, you won't lose a penny, and a lot of times those recommendations are made for individuals that are a little bit older, maybe in their 50s, maybe in their 60s that Mm -hmm. no longer wants that money um, to be in the market. But these are the type of conversations that we'll have with people, right? And the options are there on the table, but again, it's just a matter of them getting educated and seeing what will work for them. But sometimes people are like, you know what? I'm just gonna cash it out. And I'm like, okay, I just want you to understand this is what it looks like. And then of course, if they're gonna roll it over, that's how it looks like as well. Is there
0: a percentage or in terms of, what's the percentage in terms of tax? Or the penalty that you'll pay. Let's say if I have 10000 and I want to cash it out. What will be the penalty? What will be the uh, tax? Got you.
1: So when it comes to the traditional retirement accounts, um, especially something like a 401k, if you do, if you cash it out before you turn 59 and a half, don't ask me why it's 59 and a half, ask the IRS. Right? Okay, okay. If, if, you, if you cash it out before 59 and a half, they're going to hit you with a 10% penalty fee, right? 10% and you have to pay the taxes. So if your taxes are at 20% or 30%, so that 10% penalty fee plus wherever your tax, in terms of where you are in tax bracket, Mm -hmm. and then hopefully you don't live in a state where it has state taxes because they're also going to take out of that as well. Wow.
0: Okay. So so if I have 10... if, so if I have 40%, like 40%, 40%, like 30, 40, 30, 30, 40%. So if I have 10,000, yeah. I'll walk away with 6,000 pretty yeah. much.
1: Yep. Just about. Um,
0: mm-hmm. follow, my next question is, will be, how can someone create a financial plan that will help them achieve a long-term goal with you?
1: Every time we sit down with a family, um, we do what's called a personal financial analysis. And that is pretty much very similar to when you go to a doctor before the doctor can diagnose you with anything, they have to look at your situation because your situation compared to the, the next person's situation obviously is going to be much different,
2: right? Correct, right, correct. So right. when,
1: when we sit down with someone, we find out what are their goals, what are they trying to accomplish, when would they like to retire, how much money would they like to have in retirement. And just so you know, people don't know what that number is.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: <laughs> like they say some crazy numbers. They're like 7 million.
2: million." And I'm like,
1: okay, how are we going to get there? So my job is to sit down and find out, okay, if you want to retire by the time you're 65, like how much monthly income or how much annual income would you like to have? And then we will illustrate some of those things to show them, okay, boom, if you want to do, if you want to have $60,000 per year, you're going to have to save X amount of money. And of course, there's two main factors when it comes to putting a plan together for someone. Age plays a major factor and, mm-hmm. also, and also money. Correct. Because if, some, if someone is younger, right? Someone is in their 20s or early 30s, you know, ideally, right? They have more time. So they don't have to put away as much money. But if they are a bit older, maybe they're like late 40s, early 50s. Now we have less time so we have to contribute way more money right so we're going to yeah. look at we're going to look at that and especially when it comes to retirement planning like people have to understand it is a long term game right so it's not something where it's like today and I'm from the caribbean so I always I always make this comparison I tell people like your retirement planning is not like a sol it's mm-hmm. not like a iso right or, it, or in 6 months or in a year you know you're going to pay out or cash out yeah. which is why which is why the IRS will put some, something like the 59 and a half rule. Because even your 401k currently, right, is a long-term strategy. But over 80% of people will tap into their 401k prematurely. So yes, they will get hit with the penalty fee. Yes, they will get hit with the taxes because most of the time people are going in there for emergencies or you know to buy a house or buy a number of things prematurely. So we we really try to get them to think more long-term and also them budgeting into an amount where they can afford. And then the last thing that I'll share is, like, for example, if someone makes more money, they'll put away more. If someone makes less money, they'll put away less, right? All all it is is like percentages. I think sometimes people think, well, I only make $50,000 or I only make $60,000. How can I save? And I'm like, well, you got to think in terms of, You know, 10, 20, 30, right? Can you save 10% of your income? Can you save 20%? Can you save thirty percent? Right? Start somewhere. I mean, even if you have to start with five percent, that's better than nothing. Yeah. Right. And maybe today you're putting in five percent, but as you progress through life, you start making more money, then you can always go. I think the you know, the toughest um step is them just starting. Just starting. Yeah, I think I think if we did like a survey hundred and twenty percent of people would say they know they need to invest they know yeah. they need to save right yeah but if you if you look at the that same group of people and say how how many of them are actually doing it that number would be significantly lower
0: hey, what if somebody is working for a company that doesn't offer 401k doesn't not offer a retirement plan can they go outside can is there any company outside that they can go and get those benefits is that possible?
1: Yes, 100%. What my practice always recommend, we always recommend that if you have something through your job, because it's going to be an employer-sponsored plan, right? So of course, like the life insurance you get through them is going to be less, right? And they're going to give you benefits. You're going to get that health benefit or the retirement benefit. You're going to get that through your job. But what I always Um, advise people is to also look at things outside of your job. So in your case, if the job doesn't offer anything, by Mm -hmm. the way, a lot of people's jobs don't offer anything, that's when we would sit down with them, right, and find out if something like a Roth IRA will work for them, if something like a tax advantage policy will work for them. And then we'll run those numbers. Let's say, hey, if you are funding a 401k, you would put 10% of your income, you would put 20% of your income, whatever that number is. And then we'll run those numbers and see, okay, does this number look good for you in terms of retirement, right? And if it's a yes, yes, we can set up something for them outside of their job. And it, I would definitely recommend it because most people will not stay at their job, right? They will continue to yeah. hop, right, <laughs> from time to time. Um, yeah, I mean, true, even for myself, I'm not even going to go there, man. Yeah. I've I, I've had some jobs.
2: <laughs> I've, I've had
1: some jobs and people are, are going to do that, which is why, in my opinion, I feel like, man, if you are able to have something outside of your job, like it's, it's even better. Okay. And then there are companies for that.
0: Well, let's say your job does offer it. Can you still say you can decline the jobs and then go with the one in the outside?
1: Some jobs will make it a requirement for you to participate in their 401k and other jobs is optional. Mm-hmm. All right, so it all depends on your on your employer. Okay. So so when when you get your benefits package, what will what will typically happen is um, within the first couple of um, you know sixty days or thirty days, whatever that that window is,
2: mm-hmm. they'll
1: tell you, hey, you know, we offer something like a 401k or a, a, a you know traditional IRA or something like that. And they give you a certain amount of time to sign up for it. Most people forget and they don't do anything. So what the job will then do is they will automatically enroll you in the plan. Okay. Right. If you don't make a decision, they will automatically enroll you, which is why sometimes I sit down with people and they're, they they do not even know if they have a retirement account through their job because they never physically sat down and made that decision themselves, they were automatically enrolled in it. Whereas some companies, it's a requirement, some companies it's optional.
0: We are learning a mm-hmm. lot. So now What's the nice? next aspect to it when it comes to finance is debt. They, they say there's uh, good debt and there are bad debt. For example, good debt will be um, you buy a house, uh, you don't live in it and you have a tenant, the tenants are paying that mortgage for you. Again, this is a good debt. A bad debt will be, I need that Louis bag. Let me go buy a Louis. So with that being said, let's talk about debt. And also, if you could elaborate how you were able to put a plan together to pay your student loan.
1: Debt is one of those things where, I don't know, it just preys on the unknown. People that don't understand how credit card works. People that don't understand how loans work as a whole. Think about it. The majority of things that we own in life or we're going to purchase in life, there's some type of interest rate attached to it. So let me elaborate on what I mean by that. You're buying a house, there's an interest attached to it, right? Mm So 4%, 5%, 6%. And you get a personal loan, there's interest attached to it. You get a brain spanking new credit card. Right. The APR might be 18% or 24%. Yeah. That's why it's imperative that people invest their money in accounts where they're also outpacing inflation. So what I mean by that is most people have their money in the bank. That's what they know, Mm -hmm. right? Credit union or Chase or Bank of America, whatever, you know, those, those, um, traditional banks Well, they are earning nothing. Correct. But now they, they have all these luxuries. They have all these things that they're invested into that are charging them interest. Right. Does that make sense?
0: Yeah. Yeah, so, of course. So, so
1: you're you're over here earning no interest, but the car that you pay for, there's interest attached to it. The house that you live in, there's interest attached to it. Right. So you're paying more money over time, which is what ends up getting people into debt. And I fell into that. All right. So, this, so I didn't come in here with all of this, knowledge. Yeah.
0: yeah. (laughs) It was because you were in it. You learned to get out of it. Correct.
1: Correct. And, and allow me to elaborate. So my wife, when we got into the industry, so my wife and I, because we were learning a lot of this information, you know, we're learning about how compound interest works and how, how you are able to earn interest rather than paying interest. And I'm like, wait a minute, you mean to tell me if I do X, Y, and Z, I could pay off credit cards i could pay off my student loan debt in record time and after that now i can invest the money that i would have been paying right towards the credit card or towards the student loan mm-hmm. i could be investing that money and now i am the one earning, earning the
0: entrance yeah
1: i was like i was blown away by that and i was like you know what i need to itemize everything i need to find out exactly what's going on and so we were able to itemize our debt And when we tallied everything up, it was in like the mid thirties, right? It was like 35,000 and something in, in some change. And I was like, whew, okay, 35,000. I was like, we need to come up with a plan and we need to pay this bad boy off because every time we made a payment, let's say we make a payment on a credit card, when, when you look at the statement, it would tell you like, yeah, you made a $300 payment, but $150 of it went towards interest. Yeah. And I'm like, Oh my goodness. So did I really make a $300 payment?
0: No, you did not.
1: Exactly. So I was like, "Uh -uh, uh -uh. I can't do that. I can't do that. So then what we started doing is we started making bigger payments and on your credit card statement, it'll literally tell you like, if you pay X amount of money, this is how long it's going to take. If you pay X amount of money, that's how it's going to take. But a lot of people don't look at those statements.
0: They look (laughs) at the minimum,
1: right? They don't look at that. They don't, call the company and ask questions. So I became curious because of course I was learning this information. And then from learning this information, we were able to pay off that $35,000 of debt in a 14 month period. With what I know now, I think we could have done it half that time.
0: So you basically right? killed the, killed the interest. And how were you able to do that? Um. So of
1: course you got to make more money. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Number one, you got to make more money. I think, you know, sometimes people are just trying to, yeah, you know, you, you listen to some of these guys, they talk about, you know, eat soup and rice and, and, you know, don't spend nothing. I'm like, I don't know. That wasn't working for me, man. I, I still like yeah. to have a good time. I still like to go out to the restaurant with my wife. And I wasn't doing that. So for me, instead of just like nickeling and diming, I got my wife involved in the process. Right. So that way now when both of us are spending, we have it in the back of our mind, we have a bigger goal. OK. All right. So that's that's a nugget right there. So hopefully you guys caught that. Right. So make mm-hmm. sure both parties are involved. So that way it doesn't it doesn't feel like you are holding all the weight.
2: Mm-hmm. All right.
1: So my wife got involved in it and pretty much, like I said, making more. So just doing more more jobs, odd jobs, I guess you could call it just so that way we can make more money. And then from the more money we were making, so instead of making a payment of 155 bucks, we were making payments of a thousand bucks. We were making payments of twelve hundred bucks. We're making payments, man. I remember this one month, man. We made a payment of ten thousand dollars in one month. It still hurts to this day. All right. But but because we had a goal, yeah. We had a goal, we were like, you know what? I want to get rid of it. And and that's what we're able to do. And we did that in we did that in 14 months. Like we still talk about it to this day because we want to show people that it is possible. I want I want people to know that, well, we didn't come in here and then we already knew how this stuff worked, right? Yeah. We did our we did our we made our mistake and then now we're able to do that. And another thing too with the student student um, loans or student debt, like we we gotta make sure that our kids are educated prior to mm-hmm. going to these schools. Because I know when I was a graduate student, man, listen, I, I walked in the financial aid line, literally, all I had to do was sign. And they were going to give me like 20-something thousand dollars. Like, all I had to do was sign. Like, I had to show nothing. And thank God, you know, frugal Haitian. <laughs> thank God. I was like, for them to just give me 20-something thousand dollars like that, I'm like, that don't make no sense. So what I ended up doing is I found out exactly how much I needed for my courses. And then I just took that out. So I never had a big amount. Yeah. Of student, you never went loans. overboard. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I think the total amount was like just shy of $15,000. So it wasn't nothing crazy. Like I hear some numbers and I'm like, Ooh, Oh Lord. Yeah. All right. But thank God, you know, I knew to not just take money out like that because it's super simple. Which which is crazy because you'll go to school and you're like 18, 19, 20 years old, and they're just giving you money, throwing money at you. And then now you make it out into the real world where you actually, you're a little bit more wise. And now you actually need the money to go do something. You go and try to ask for a loan. But because you made that mistake a few years ago, they're looking yeah. at you like, nah, your debt to income ratio, your credit is not good. It's like, oh my goodness. So, we again, we just got to make sure that our people are educated. So now we got to educate ourselves, right, those who are in their, you know, middle age and now they have kids growing up. We got to make sure we learn this inf- information for ourselves so that way we can pass it on to our kids and so that way they won't have to take out some of those loans because of decisions that you would have made for them prematurely.
2: Yeah.
0: I mean, you mentioned, you know, student loans is readily easy to obtain student loan. And at that same age, if you wanted to open a business and went to a bank and asked for a business loan, you probably will never get it. So, exactly. yeah, it's the system is it's I don't want to say upside down, but sometimes you ask yourself, does it make sense? Right. You know, right. And and I, and I think it doesn't make sense on purpose. Yeah, yeah I, I, <laughs> I understand. I understand. I understand. But, you know, we're not going to go into that right now. Of course, but I completely of course. understand. I completely <laughs> understand. It's, it's tough for some people. What I mean by tough, uh, think about it. You get out of school, you fifty thousand dollars in debt. Then after that, you go and you purchase a home. You're looking at, if you're lucky these days, three hundred thousand, because it, it's gonna be way more than that. But if you're lucky, three hundred. So you already three fifty in the hole. Let's say okay, you're in your mid twenties or early thirty. How can somebody with three hundred and fifty thousand in debt adequately save for retirement?
1: In terms of the $50,000 in debt and, you know, the house. So the house, we got to stay in there. We already know that. Yeah. Okay. There's certain strategies that people are probably not going to want to entertain, right? Mm-hmm. There's something, there's something known as house hack. Okay. And what, essentially what that means is you could rent out a room, but of course, some people are for it. Some people are against it. Uh, I mean, there's people that's renting rooms, 1200 1500 So that's a possible option. You know, um, a lot of people are doing like stuff like Airbnb. Uh, again, it comes down to making more money. Money, yeah. All right, making more money. Because if I'm sitting down with you and I'm looking at your income and I'm also looking at your expenses, and then at the end of the day, we only have $200 left,
0: you're not going anywhere.
1: <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. like, like once we do your analysis, we realize that we don't have anything left. I, I mean, I'm not a magician. Right? Yeah. I'm not a, I'm, I'm not a magician. I'm not God, you know? So at that point, my question to you is, okay, do you do anything else outside of your job? Right? Do you do any side hustles? Do you do anything on the weekends? Do you? Are you bringing income some other way? So now let's take that same example that I just shared, right? The whole house hack situation. Let's say you did rent out a room for a short period of time. Short period of time, you rented out a room. Let's say, you know, it was 1000 per month. Just throwing that out there. Okay. I mean, that's an extra $12,000 for the year.
2: Yeah. Yeah. <laughs>
1: you know what I mean? Now, now it, it might be an inconvenience because you got somebody else in your house. And of course, there's a number of other things that that can possibly go with that, but you have to get creative, right? So it's either you get creative on that level, or you got to make more money, make more money. And how do you make more money? Is that, is it another job? Is it starting a business? Is it mastering a craft, right? Because sometimes people will, they will work in something and then they will provide some services within what they currently work at. Cause you already know our job is not going to pay us what we think we deserve. All right. So what, what if you are able to take that same scale where you can package it, where you provide, you know, such services. And uh, an example of that for us, my, one of the, I guess, side hustlers you could say. So my wife and I, when we were, while we were going through our debt-free journey, uh, my wife, she owned a um, event planning company where she planned weddings. And I was like, you know what? I I mean, I used to I used to MC in college for free, right? MC weddings, MC uh, pageant for free in college. So now she's in the industry. I was like, I mean, why don't I just MC? And then so now as an MC, I I already have to be there because my wife is a part of
0: the 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 event, yeah.
1: Situation. I already have to physically be there. But then I was like, you know what? let me grab the mic and actually be an MC. And we started out doing a whole bunch of free stuff just to kind of like build momentum, get a feel for it. Okay. Exactly. And then once we started getting momentum, that was an additional stream that was added. Okay. Just, just to give you an example. So look at your surrounding, look at your environment and say, okay, what can I, what can I spend a little bit more time on? And people know they need to make more
0: money, but unfortunately, you know i might get heat for this but people are lazy (laughs) yeah i mean that's that's the truth that's the truth you know sometimes the truth hurts but that's the reality um some people are lazy some people rather stay on social media scrolling away than um think of something creative to do and procrastination as well with that being said thank you again my brother uh we will definitely set up something uh so we can you know sit thank you again and for the listeners like subscribe. And reach out uh, if you have any questions, because there's some very, very good information that was discussed today. And remember, are you really living? All right. So I do know you have an event coming up. Um, Can you tell the listeners what is this event about? Where is it going to be taking place and why they should attend?
1: Yes. um, So we have the event is taking place on April 29th, and it will be from 10 a.m. to 2 p.m. So, you know, four hours. So it's not it's not a, it's not a long event whatsoever, and it's basically titled um, Legacy One on One, and it's a workshop, and we're going to have a number of professionals that are going to be there to highlight, you know, certain topics, right? So we're going to talk about, you know, easy steps to home ownership. We're going to be talking about the different structures when starting a business, the importance of having a will and trust. We're going to talk about Prearrange funeral planning and budget, and then also how to properly plan for generational wealth. So, these are all great topics that I think a lot of people will find value in. And this event, if you bring a guest, it's a free event. All right. If you come by yourself, you got to pay. But if you bring a friend, it's free. So, bring a friend.
0: I'm bringing multiple friends.
1: (laughs) Right. Even better, right? Bring multiple friends. And it's basically going to take, um, going to take place at um the lauderdale Lakes education and cultural center so it's okay. on your side of town i'm yeah. driving from fort myers to come over there so i think some people could drive from deerfield
2: right?
0: yeah 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 definitely <laughs>
1: right. so it's gonna it's gonna take place there um which is um off of oakland park and of course that's something if they want a little bit more information on they can reach out to me um and i can provide that information we do have an Eventbrite bright link just so people can uh, RSVP, so we can anticipate the turnout. Uh, but yeah, once again, the event's gonna take place on April twenty ninth from ten to two p.m. at the Lauderdale Lakes Educational and Cultural Center.
0: I will definitely add the link to to the uh, podcast, uh, so the listeners that can just click on the link, uh, and I have access to it. Tune in next week, Tuesday at 11.30 a.m. for part two. See you then. Hashtag are you really living?